0: Hi, I'm Evan Duncan, the senior pastor of the Baptist Church of Westchester in Westchester, Pennsylvania. I'm so glad you found our podcast channel. On it, we share our weekly messages, and from time to time, you'll see some other things as well. If you want to learn more about our church or see how you can contact us, visit bcwc.org. And good morning to everybody watching online as well. Thank you for joining us for this time of worship and reflection a time to look at the scripture, and a time to celebrate communion together as well. So if you're watching online, now is a good time to make sure you have what you need, bread, juice, wine, whatever you're doing, have that ready at home to participate with us. Can you think about a time in your life when you were really angry? I'm going to tell you an embarrassing story about myself. When I was in high school, I began dating this girl who went to the rival high school. She lived in a different town. We met at a summer camp. We started dating. We went to prom together. In the summer, uh, we would see each other from time to time, even though she lived in a different city. We'd figure out ways to be together. We'd watch sports together. We'd walk around. But because she lived far away, we didn't see each other all the time, so we would talk on the phone. We would talk on AOL Instant Messenger that tells you if you did that, you know when that was. And then as school began, she disappeared. She stopped answering my phone calls. She was never online. We didn't know this at the time, but today, young people will say that she ghosted me. She just disappeared. I was upset. I was frustrated. I was trying to reach out to her, and eventually, a mutual friend told me, yeah, she started dating somebody else. I know. So finally, I was able to get in contact with her. She said, yes, I didn't want to tell you because I didn't want to hurt you. Well, that didn't work out. I was hurt, I was heartbroken, but I saw on my calendar that the next week my school was playing her school in football, and this new boyfriend was on the football team, and I decided that I would bring vengeance down with a fury. I would go and I would hit everybody on that team as hard as I could the first play of the game. I found their best player. I went to hit that player as hard as I could. He did the same to me and I heard a pop in my knee. I tore my ACL and my meniscus. I was done. Did I tell you it was my birthday? It was my birthday. This girl broke my heart, she broke my leg. Everything about this was a calamity. And I know this is a silly example, but I hope it's one that we can relate to. Because all of us, when we get angry, might do foolish things. And in Jonah chapter 4, we discover that Jonah was about mature as I was in high school. As mature as sometimes we all can be when we're angry, we've already heard an incredible recap of the story. Jonah called to go to his enemies, runs away, ends up in a fish, prays, is given a second chance, goes to see his enemy, the Ninevites. He gives the weakest sermon you've ever heard, just a few words, and yet the people respond. The people turn to God They turn from their evil ways, and God decides to spare them. And that's where we will pick up the story today. But as we do, think about those times you've been angry. When I've been angry and I want vengeance, it's within all of us. Our burning anger wants to burn everything down. You've been there. Maybe even the thing that you are angry about happened a long time ago, and the smolders continue to smoke beneath the surface. As we open up the scriptures today, we're going to be asking a question the whole way through, and it's a question that I think Mr. Rogers asks really well. When he says, what do you do with the mad that you feel? Jonah has much to show us about that. So let's open our Bibles to Jonah chapter 3. It will be on the screens as well. We're going to read verse 10 in chapter 3 again, and then moving to chapter 4. So when God saw what the Ninevites did, how they turned from their evil ways, God changed his mind about the calamity that he said that he would bring upon them. He did not do it. Chapter 4. But this was very displeasing to Jonah. In fact, that word displeasing is the same word as we just saw in chapter 3 for calamity. For Jonah, this was a disaster. He became angry. He prayed to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord, is this not what I said while I was still in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish at the beginning, for I knew that you are a gracious God, and merciful, and slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love, and ready to relent from punishing. And now, O Lord, please take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Finally, we get some clarity from Jonah about why he ran away. It's not because he was scared of the Ninevites. He doesn't run away because perhaps he thinks he's not adequate. He runs away because he is afraid that God will be merciful. And now he sees that God has been merciful and his anger burned. We see how deep his anger is because he takes these beautiful attributes of God and he turns them into an insult. How dare you be merciful? (laughs) These words, this language we see here that he says about God and God's character, they come out of earlier in the Old Testament. In fact, in Exodus chapter 34, as God is giving his law to Moses and making his promises with the people of Israel, making them his people, showing them what God is like. Exodus 34, 6 says, The Lord passed by in front of him, Moses, and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and merciful, slow to anger, abounding in faithfulness and truth. These beautiful characteristics of God, now an insult on Jonah's lips. He's angry. Now, anger is a human thing, a real thing. It's okay to get angry. We get angry about things, and it's okay to feel anger, but we must think what do we do with the anger? What do we do with the mad that we feel? For Jonah, the anger poisons him. Jonah becomes blind even to the goodness of God. And when we let our anger speak louder than the voice of God, we bring calamity, we bring disaster upon ourselves. The the preacher and poet Thomas John Carlyle writes an incredible poem about this section of Jonah called Question. It says, I hate God's enemies with perfect hatred. Why can't God do as much? This is what Jonah feels, perhaps sometimes what we feel. What I want you to hear in this moment as we think about what we can do with our anger, to know that we can bring it before God. I love what happens here, because if I was God, and Jonah is lucky that I am not God, and so are you, but if I was God, and Jonah was throwing this tantrum, I, I think my patience would have run out. But let's see how God responds to Jonah. This is Jonah 4, verse 4. And the Lord said, Is it right? Is it right for you to be angry? I love this. God does not argue with Jonah. God asks a question. Jonah pours out his anger and rage at God, and God doesn't just wipe him off the map. (laughs) He gets close and asks a question. Jonah... How's that anger working out for you? Are you getting the result that you hoped for? Is this all right? Is this going well? I can imagine the Lord speaking to me on that football field. How'd that anger work out for you? Friends, your anger doesn't frighten God. God is big enough for all of your emotions. God wants to hear from you. So what do you do with the mad that you feel you can express it to the Lord? And often, growing up in my faith, I'd think, I don't know. If I were to go in prayer or to church, I've got to have everything together. I've got to smile and be good all the time. I've got to pretend like I've got everything together. But in the Scriptures, people bring all kinds of things before God. Have you read the Psalms? The Psalms, these prayers, are full of anger and pain. I have a good friend who studies the Psalms, is an expert on the Psalms, and and he helps churches use the Psalms to process their own frustrations or grief or challenges. And what he said to me one time is, is that when we express our anger to God, we don't have to carry it alone anymore. Jonah expresses his anger to God, and God doesn't leave him or lose patience with him. He just asks a question. He doesn't ask, Is this how it should be? but how is it going? Is it right? Is it beneficial? It's a great question to ask of our own anger Is this helpful? Is it right? Sometimes it is. Anger can motivate us towards change or action or defense of the weak. But Jonah is unable to ask the question of himself, to interrogate himself, to examine what's happening within him. I imagine as God said to Jonah, For you, is it right? God may have emphasized you. You, Jonah, who, if I didn't show mercy to, would be in a fish or in the ocean. You, Jonah, who barely even followed my command, who withheld my message to these people, who I could wipe off the map right now. Is it right for you? Has it been helpful for you? Because God has been patient with Jonah and God is patient with the Ninevites and God is patient with us. So what do we do with the mad that we feel? We can express it to the God who is with us. God can handle it. Cry out in your prayers. Pray from the Psalms. We must process and sit with And know that God is with us. I love how the theologian Phyllis Tribal says it when she says, Anger leads to destruction. If we repress it or we suppress it, it burns. It burns the one who contains it. But if it's expressed, it can burn to those whom it's directed. Anger is an inevitable part of the human condition, but the divine questioning God, asking questions here, offers the opportunity to work it through and to work through it. Instead of moving away from Jonah's anger, God moves in. This is the good news. That while we were far off, while we were still sinners, while we rejected God, Jesus moved in. Got close. Gave up his life for us. Invites us in. Unfortunately, Jonah takes off again. This is verse 5. Then Jonah left the city and sat down to the east of it. He made a booth for himself there, and he sat under the shade, waiting to see what would become of the city. The Lord appointed a bush. He made it come up over Jonah to give shade over his head, to save him from his discomfort, So Jonah was very happy about the bush. But when dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm. And that worm attacked the bush so that it withered. And when the sun rose, God prepared a sultry east wind, and the sun beat down on the head of Jonah so that he was faint. And he asked God that he might die. And he said, it is better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry about the bush? And Jonah said, Yes, angry enough to die. And the Lord said, You're concerned about the bush, which you didn't labor, which you didn't grow. It came into being in a night, and it perished in a night. Should I not be concerned about Nineveh? That great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know the right hand from their left, and also many animals. The end of Jonah. What an ending. We don't know what happens next for Jonah, but we're invited into the question. Is it right for you to be angry? Is that working out for you? Should I not care about this city, these people, these animals, this creation? That, that idea of concern, compassion, steadfast love, it implies this idea of being with and suffering with that God cares so much God feels the pain of the Ninevites and their challenges. Just like God feels the pain of Jonah, God suffers with the Ninevites. For their lostness and waywardness, God suffers with creation, the animals. I love that section on the animals. There's a whole sermon in there about how we need to care for creation. God cares. God cares to the point of suffering, along with. Do we? Do we care? At the beginning of uh, Russia's invasion in Ukraine, some of my friends are connected to a church that planted some churches and helped build up a seminary there in Ukraine, and so they have a lot of relationships. And one of the Ukrainian Christians was in a lot of communication with my friend, and she would send video updates. They would ask for ways, how can we pray, how can we help? And he shared with me one of the videos she sent early on as the bombs were dropping. She asked for ways they could pray about the heartbreak around her. But then she spent significant amounts of time on that video. In in fact, the most amount of time on that video asking for prayer for the Russian soldiers. The Russian families. The people in the country who were raging war against her own. she understood something that's so hard for us. That God cares, and calls us to as well. Now that does not mean we don't stand up against injustice or call out evil when we see it. Of course not. I love how Desmond Tutu says it. When he says, I do believe there are monstrous and evil acts, yes, but I do not believe those who commit such acts are monsters or evil. To regulate someone to the level of a monster is to deny that person's ability to change and to take away that person's accountability for his or her actions and behavior. Tutu, who experienced evil beyond what most of us could imagine, understood. that to see people, to know people, is to know that they have responsibility. An opportunity to change, to just be angry and see people as monsters takes away uh, our belief that they could change. Takes away how we might expect them to be more. God cares about you. God cares about our enemies. So God, a God of justice and compassion, will act and believes in us acting with justice to stop suffering, God does act. God does move with justice. In fact, God was willing to take on the suffering of all in the crucified and resurrected body of Jesus Christ. God showed us what love is like in Jesus And there will be a day when Christ will return and there will be no more pain or death or war. But until then, God has called us to reflect in the here and now the character of Christ as God's church, to show compassion. And so, as we think about our own anger, Jonah holds up a mirror. It says, what is the anger doing to your soul? Is it beneficial? Okay, you may say, that's great, but the things that I've experienced are terrible. You're saying I should forget it? No way. Those things are real. This doesn't just wipe them away or pretend like everything is fine. No, instead it gives us tools to walk through the anger. What do we do with the mad that we feel the New Testament helps us, I think. In James chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, James writes Know this, my beloved brothers and sisters, everyone must be quick to hear, slow to speak, and slow to anger. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteousness of God. Therefore, ridding yourselves of all filthiness and all that remains of wickedness in humility. Receive the word implanted which is able to save your souls. What do we do with the mad that we feel receive the word implanted? To go in our anger and sit and soak in Scripture in prayer and reflection to ask the questions of ourselves. This is something I have to do Sit in silence and reflect on God's word to reorient my misplaced anger. Because when anger and impulse come quickly and naturally to me, I want to react and give my opinion and tear people down with little thoughts. And the writer is daring us to slow down, to place ourselves on the hill to sit next to Jonah and ask, what do we do when God shows mercy and for us it feels like a disaster? What do we do when we're confronted with our own anger, our own insecurities? See, Jonah has a dream for the world. And it's a dream where the wicked will be wiped out and he can dance on their graves. But God has a dream. A dream that exchanges violence and anger for compassion and love. God's dream empties grace. Peter will write about this dream in 2 Peter 3 9. The text says, The Lord is not slow about his promise, as some say slowness, but is patient towards you, not willing for any to perish, but all to come to repent. The question at the end of the story is will Jonah exchange his angry story, his dream of vengeance for God's story of hope, of restoration, of transformation. Not that the Ninevites will not be held accountable, but that the Ninevites might be changed. To dream for us. Will we exchange our dreams for revenge? For God's dream. For compassion. To celebrate the God who is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love, ready to relent. Friends, God is ready to forgive. God is ready to forgive you. God, who would care for Jonah and the Ninevites, cares for us. As we think this week about the story of Jonah and our own lives, may we pray a dangerous prayer. May you pray this week, God, exchange my dreams for your dream. Restory the false stories I tell myself with your story. When you feel the anger burn and the jealousy boil and the frustration simmer, ask the question Is this right? Is this beneficial? And there may be times that it is, but what will you do with it? what does the good news of Jesus invite you to do with it? Today, we're going to celebrate communion together. And I think of no greater illustration of forgiveness and hope than this table. Where we gather at this bread, this cup to celebrate, to remember Christ's sacrifice for us, but we also Remember, Christ's love for others that binds us together, that Christ, knowing that it was his last meal, chose to gather with these his disciples who were mixed up and different and from all kinds of backgrounds, including a disciple that would betray him. And there, with his last hours he washes feet and shares a meal. And this is what we are invited to as well. to remember the mercy that has been shown us, to remember how we are united together as a family by Christ and His sacrifice to dream about Christ's future. When we will all together be at the table with no hierarchies or boundaries. All of us united in Christ. Let us pray. God, I thank You for this opportunity as a church family to worship together. I thank You for Your work in the Ninevites and in us, God, and I pray For your mercy. We who are quick to anger and vengeance, God, may you slow us down. May you help us listen and ask the questions you ask. When our anger and frustration could poison ourselves or spill out on others, may we take it to you. May we know that you are close and you can handle it may we receive your word and your promises implanted deep within us thank you god for your love we pray these things in the name of jesus our king amen thanks for listening to the baptist church of westchester podcast if you have questions want to connect or are looking for ways that you can support God's work at this church, visit bcwc.org. And as you go, through whatever your day may throw at you, I want to share this blessing with you. May the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ go with you wherever he may send you. May he guide you in the wilderness, protect you in the storms. May he bring you home rejoicing at the wonders he has shown you. May he bring you home rejoicing once again into our doors. Go and be the church.